Welcome to uh, our online audience, Kingsway family, friends, and uh, those who are tuning in. Um, we just consider you to be Kingsway family and friends if you're watching. So grateful uh, to have you along t- t- uh, today, tonight, whatever it is. I'm probably going to say tonight because it is tonight here, but it may be this morning for you, and uh, we're glad of it. Whatever, However you want to do uh, do this, we're glad that you are taking the time to, to uh, do that. Um, uh, last, uh, last week was just a crazy, crazy week for me. Um, I, I spoke nine different times in nine days. Uh, four VBS... Uh, chats or with, with these kids doing VBS sessions three times for four days. Uh, then we did um, three church services, uh, a wedding and a graduation service all in, in a week. And it was like, man, you know, oftentimes we talk with our young adults and, and our small groups about your highs and your lows and seeing God at work. I'm like, man, there's something about having to be in the word every single day to prepare for a message. And I was, it, it's just that neat thing of being able to stay to stay just really connected, really focused. And if that was all that the week was, it would have been just like high all week long from one to the next. Uh, but there was lows throughout the week as well. Uh, you know, my, my brother, uh, he lost his sister-in-law to cancer uh, last week. And man, it, it hurts to see somebody you love hurting. Uh, and then my mom had a stroke uh, last weekend, and for those of you who are praying, thank you for that. Uh, she has uh, a full recovery. Something they said at that hospital, it's a stroke hospital. They, they hadn't seen that happen where it's uh, like such a, so far gone to, so, to have so much uh, of a recovery in such a short time. <laughs> Super grateful for that. Um, she was supposed to be in observation in ICU for 10 days, and she went home on day four. So we, we're just praising the Lord uh, for that. And then there was just like lots of different, you know, uh, Kingsway families situations and things going on uh, just throughout that week and just realizing that the grace that Jesus gives us each and every day, Paul prayed for, I prayed to have grace, uh, grace and peace. It's true. He just really does give you the grace that you need. And as I was kind of prepping through all of those things, uh, at the grad uh, service, I spoke on something. uh, They had asked me to preach at the grad for... um, the Jarvis uh, grade school. And, and when they asked me about a month ago, uh, this, this, this story automatically came to my mind, uh, an account from scripture. And it was, it was just this, actually this line. It was just simply this, uh, were you called to the kingdom for such a time as this? And, and I, I couldn't shake it. And I, I shared a, uh, it with the, the, the grads that night, but it's been with me ever since. Something that I just keep pondering over and mulling over and I was a little hesitant to speak on it this evening uh, uh, because I feel like it can, it can quite easily be misunderstood. But, but my prayer is that Holy Spirit would speak, speak through me, speak to me. Uh, and I would just invite you to do the same thing. Would you just ask him, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Would you help me to hear what I need to hear in this moment? And so we're going to jump in. Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 15 verse 4 that the old... Testament, the old, the old uh, Hebrew scriptures were written, not necessarily to us as Gentiles, but for us, to teach us and to give us hope, to encourage us as we patiently wait for God's promises to be f- fulfilled. And, uh, you know, I, I'd encourage you to, you know, take, take some time and go through the whole story of Esther. As you read through it, it's just amazing at what God did through this young woman. But, uh, and to be, I guess, like the Bereans, you know, Paul wrote to them and said to, they were the ones who would search scriptures to find out if he was telling the truth. And I'd encourage you to do the same thing. Read through the story and see if what I'm telling you today is true. 
You know, it's a story of a young girl who loses both of her parents at a young age. Her uncle takes her in, and uh, when she's a teenager, she's, she's entered into a beauty contest, which she wins. And the prize of this contest is that the person who wins becomes the queen. The queen of not just one nation, multiple nations, of an empire. And this is this young girl, Esther, this rags to riches story, uh, a real, real uh, event that happens. She finds herself as a queen, but it isn't long after that, through collusion and bribes, a man named Haman, he uh, influences the king with this plot, this diabolical plot, that he wants a certain group of people in the kingdom to be killed. And as, uh, as a promissory uh, uh, guarantee, he guarantees he's going to put a, a, a boatload of money into the king's treasury if he will agree to this law. And so the king does. His greed allows him to sign into law the, the very words that would put a whole group of people to death. And they cast lots, it says, to find out the day. I believe it's March 7th was the date that it came up. That this was the day that these people no longer... We're no longer deserving to live just based on this law. It's crazy. It's crazy. But we've seen that happen through history. It was with the Jewish people. That was Esther's people. We saw that happen, you know, through the Holocaust and through, through other um, regimes in different parts of the world where certain groups of people were the ones that were, you know, no longer valued. And it's interesting in this story, it wasn't an army that was going to come in and kill them all on March 7th. No, it was, it, was, it was way, way uh, more you know, sinister than that. It was their friends and neighbors around them who were given permission on that one day to kill them and just take all their stuff. Man, what a crazy thing to think that that could be possible. You know, uh, they didn't have email. They didn't have, you know, the news. They didn't have any of that kind of stuff back then. And so Esther was really, she was unaware of, of any of this happening until her uncle was outside the palace gates and he was weeping and he called out, you know, to, the, to those around who knew Esther. And when they came and asked him why he was weeping, he told them, he said, please go give this message to Esther. Please tell her what's happening to our people and just beg her to stand up for us. Tell her to go before the king and beg for our lives. And Esther gets the message and she, she sends back this message to, to her uncle Haman. She's like, do you realize that's suicide for me? Like if he doesn't ask me to come in, if he's not asking for my opinion and I give it, that's a death sentence. Don't you realize that I'm the queen because the last queen was, she went against the king's wishes? And Mordecai, the uncle, he gets, this, he gets this message from the queen and he sends a response to her. And, you know, let's just read that response together. Here's what it says. Esther chapter four, Old, Old Testament scripture, verse 13. Mordecai told them to answer Esther with these words. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than any of the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Basically saying, Esther, God's faithful. He's going to save his people. I'm convinced of that. But don't think that you'll escape if you don't say something. Here's what he says. He says, you and your father's house will perish. And then he finishes it with this last question. Yet, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther, do you not realize that, that, that you've come to the kingdom for, for this reason? Potentially, this was the whole reason you won the beauty contest. This may have been the whole reason you were born beautiful. Is that you have the chance, the opportunity to, to stand in, in, in with courage for God's people when they needed it. 
You know, maybe you've seen that phrase, you know, for such a time as this on, you know, uh, coffee mugs or t-shirts or like on, on, a, on a greeting card. But have you ever pictured what it was like to be in that moment? I, I think about this, this young girl with that question. You know, maybe, who knows if you were, you were meant for this moment. And that, that thought of, yes, you know, stirring inside, but then the realization of the, the fear and the dilemma and, and, the, and, then, and then the, the and ultimately the courage to, to, to walk that out. I'm like, these are real people, real situations. We read them in just a split second, but they, they took, took days and weeks to happen. You know, as I read about her, I just couldn't escape this thought that I wonder if maybe we have been called to his kingdom for such a time as this. Have you considered that? That your life, that you've been called to the planet to live as a part of the Jesus-following kingdom, not the kingdoms of this world, his kingdom, for such a time as this. We're, we're living in times of uncertainty as well. You know, we're, not, we're not certain of what's um, coming uh, ahead of us. We're living in times of change, both locally and globally. Uh, so, some have been asking me, you know, is this the last days? You know, is there stuff in the Bible that says? Some, somebody texted me this week. It's like, I hope it is the last days, you know? Like, I hope, I hope Jesus comes soon. And then I like randomly had somebody tell, tell me, ah, I just was just sort of, you know, reading through Revelation this week randomly. I'm like, reading through Revelation randomly? Like, how come people are being drawn to that? I've never had that happen before. But there's this wonder about the future. There's this, you know, this, this, this on the inside of this desiring to know what's coming down, what's coming, what, what kind of world are we living in right now? Well, that's not new. Jesus' disciples had the same thing when they were living in the time with Jesus. And, you know, Jesus had, this, had these moments. He had left the temple with the disciples and he was telling them that the whole temple is going to be torn down. And they're like, why? That's so far from their imagination of what could possibly happen to this amazing building. And later on, they're sitting uh, with Jesus on the Mount of Olives. I don't know if you can just picture that. There's Jesus, no crowd right now. Just a few of his closest friends sitting there with him. I don't know if they like nudge each other or one of them's like, man, you ask him about that temple thing. Like maybe he knows more because Jesus wasn't like, they hadn't ha- had a lot of predictions from Jesus, not long-term ones. You know, they'd, they'd seen predictions of like, hey, we're going to go raise, you know, uh, Lazarus from the dead and things like that, but not these long-term things. And so they asked Jesus about it. And Matthew, you know, Matthew, who was actually following Jesus' command that later the command was teach the disciples, the new disciples, everything I've taught you. Matthew followed that command by writing it down so that disciples for, for all ages would be able to know what Jesus had taught them. And here they are. He writes down this account. And we're just going to go through it. I'd encourage you to read Matthew chapter 24 and 25. Read the whole thing when you have a chance. But let's just take a look at a few of the verses uh, uh, t- together today. Matthew 24 verse 3. Here's, here's Jesus. Sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and they said, Tell us. When's all this going to happen? Like, when's the temple going to be destroyed? When's that happening? And what sign will signal that you're coming back? And what sign's going to signal the end of the world? And as you may be like, oh man, we're, we're going deep today. <laughs> to be honest, my goal today isn't really to dive deeply into um, Bible prophecy and dates and times. Um, but, but I just simply have just one question for us to consider today. How should we live if we've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this? 
How should we live if we've been called to his kingdom for this time, such a time as this? You know, Jesus' response to his first disciples was actually an answer to that question. You know, they wanted to know all this stuff that was going to happen. And he gives them some insight, but he also gives them, here's how I want you to live. And, and I, want, I think there's something that we can learn from that, the truths that disciples today can hold on to. And he begins by saying, here's what's going to happen in the world around you. Matthew 24, verse 48, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. Remember some of these words. They come up often in this, in this little portion of scripture. Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. And they will what, deceive many. You know, in verse 23, he repeats it later on. He says, there's many um, false messiahs are going to pop up everywhere. False saviors are going to come and say, I'm here to save the day. You know, maybe there will be a, a, a politician or yeah, who knows what. But what the, the end goal of it, he's saying, don't, don't be deceived. What, what's happening is they're trying to take your trust. Your trust away from, from him. They're trying to draw trust and, and really the word faith in them as opposed to in God and in Christ. Uh, you know, world leaders will try it. Governments will try it. Money. You know, there's people who say, ah, oh, I trust, I put trust in money. For some, it's relationships. They feel like a relationships come into their life to save them from something. You know, that, or they trust experts or, or worldly wisdom. Or they'll trust just safety in general. Putting their trust in. It's like these, these fake saviors, false saviors that come up that really have no ability to save. And you know, in verse 25, Jesus says to them, see, see, I, I I warned you that this was going to happen. See, I warned you that this would happen. Verse 6, he says, you'll hear of wars. We hear of wars right now. You just look at what's going on in Afghanistan. You see what's stuff that's uh, happening all over, over the world. And then there's the threats of war. And there's all these tensions going on in Israel and Palestine. And Jesus says to them, but don't panic. You're going to hear of wars, but don't panic. These things must take place, but the end's not going to follow immediately. Just because there's wars going on doesn't mean, oh, we're in the last days. Somebody, some country hates another country. We're, we're there. And Jesus says, that's not, that's not it. That's going to happen. Just be aware when you see that, that something's happening. But that's not the end. Verse 7, nation's going to go to war against nation. Not just nation, but kingdom against kingdom. And we see the whole idea of kingdoms in, in, like the, in the tech companies and things like that that are going at, to war against each other. And you see different things. He says, there's going to be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, you know, we know Haiti just had a massive earthquake. We, we know that the, there's all kinds of uh, earthquakes happening around the world. But he says this, but all of that is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Like, don't get all hung up on that thinking, oh, we're there. This is the, this is the end. We're there. You know, that, that birth pains, that first of the birth pains, it just, I was reminded, uh, one, oh, I came a number of years ago, I would say probably nine, ten, nine-ish years ago, came home uh, one day and I walked in the house and, the, and there's Beth and she's like, I, I think my water broke. And she wasn't supposed to have a baby for another six weeks. And we're like, ah, uh, well, I, okay, I'm, I'm not an expert on that. I have no idea. And then all of a sudden she's kind of telling me, she's like, oh, Ooh, I felt that. I felt something. And she could talk to me and remember that, that, that first pain of like, no, no, there's something going on in here. This, this baby's on the way out. And that was the birth of my son, Finley. But I can just promise you that that first little birth pain, that wasn't the end. There was a whole lot more pain and intensity that had to come as a result. It was just the beginning. 
And that's what Jesus is saying to me. Is that description, yeah, you see all this, this turmoil and stuff, but it's just the beginning. It's going to get more intense. And then Jesus, he begins to describe to them what's going to actually happen in the gatherings or in the, in the church. He's like, this all the stuff that you hear about, that's going to happen in the world. And be aware of that. But here, look at some of the things that are going to happen in the church. Matthew 24, verse 9, he says, then you, who's you? The disciples. This is who he's talking to, right? He says, then you, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be persecuted. Fellas, you're going to be killed. And not, not just them specifically, but disciples would be killed. He says, you will be hated all over the world. Why? Because you are my followers. You know, that, that, that thought that you're going to be hated because you actually follow me. You're not going to be hated because you just believe in God. No, nobody cares about that. They're saying, like, you're going to be hated because you choose to follow me when someone else says, follow this way. And you're like, no, I'm, I cannot follow that. I have another master and I'm going to fall. I promise you that's going to result in hatred. And we, we see it's the, the opposite. It's the opposite of um, what Jesus had commanded them to love one another. He says, you're going to see this hatred coming out. And, and um, Jesus is reminding them, you can't follow two masters. He's like, they're going to hate you. And you might want to say, ah, maybe I, can, maybe I can adjust so I can follow a little, you know, maybe follow both. So, I, so, so at least I'm appeasing people. We see churches and we see Christianity trying to do that in so many ways to try and appease people. And Jesus clearly says, you cannot follow two masters. I can't go left and right at the same time. I don't, I'm not even going to try. We don't want any blood on the carpet. But you can't do it. And Jesus is saying that same thing to them. He says, you're going to be hated for being my followers. And my question to us today is too, who are we following really? Who are we following really? Don't, don't deceive yourself to think you can follow both. Or that we can blend and mix and maybe it's going to be okay. We can't. He says we can't. We cannot follow both. Verse 10, he says this, and as a result, many, who's many, many disciples, many followers, he says, they're actually going to turn away from me and they're going to betray and hate each other. He said, fellas, you know, at the end, like this is the stuff that's going to start happening. It's the opposite of his command of people of the body loving one another. They're going to they're hate, they're going to betray one another. And we see that happening today. We see division. Oh man, division in the body of Christ, division in churches, division over, over issues and things, just trying to get in there. I'm so grateful to see, you know, when I watch people who have differing opinions on things, find a way to find that unity around Christ. God bless you guys for that. And I, I'm, I'm speaking to certain people, and if you're watching, you know who, who, I, who I mean. You found that way to find unity around Christ, and it is a blessing. But Jesus says, it ain't going to be that way everywhere. There's going to be a lot of this division. Verse 11, he says, many false prophets are going to appear. And they're going to deceive many people. You know, there's all kinds of internet prophets speaking all kinds of stuff. They, they have been for a while. You know, American politics, Trump's getting in. Trump's coming to all of these different things uh, in politics. But it's, it's not just there in Canadians too. There's Canadians there. Like Derek Sloan's going to be the new prime minister. Thus saith the Lord. And what, what are they? They're just predictors putting God's name on it. And I guess we're going to find out if God really said it or not. You know, I feel so, so often that we want, there's this, such a desire to know the future that we'll look to these prophets, these people that would say self-proclaimed prophets that, that actually are, are trying to function in, in, say, an Old Testament prophetic type of office where they're predicting future events like God spoke to the, to the prophets of old. But when those prophets got it wrong, they got stoned. You know, we don't see much of that happening. And so as a result, there's a lot of false prophecy happening around us today. 
And Jesus predicted it and promised it and said, you will see that that's what, that's what happens uh, in, the, in the last days. And so my encouragement to you, you want to know, hey, what's, what's going on in the world? What's happening? Would you go to the word? Go to his word. Get deep down in. Read it. Study it. Know it. You'll know his voice. You'll know his leading. Stay close to his word. Here's some more from his word. Verse 12. Verse, chapter 24, verse 12. He says, sin's going to be rampant everywhere. Who's he talking to right now? He's saying in the church, in the gatherings. This is where there's going to be sin in the gatherings and sin everywhere. And he says, and the love of many will grow cold. You know that growing cold? That's like a slow process. You ever, watch a, you ever sit around a campfire and just watch it go out? It takes hours. <laughs> you think it's out and you poke it a little bit. No, no, there's a little bit of coals there. And that's that idea of this slowly dying flame. You know, I think sometimes it would be better if our love grew cold just instantly because we would know right away, whoa, I'm on the wrong path. I'm on a wrong track. I'm not where I need to be. I was listening to a message by my brother-in-law, or by, yeah, Wes DeVries from Sweets Corners. It's just from a couple weeks ago. You can look it up, beginning of August. But he talks in Hebrews about how they were dull of heart and dull of ears, not listening, and, uh, not, not, uh, listening spiritually. And he just says, like, being in church... Uh, but not having this, you know, craving for the word of God anymore. You know, you, you listen to a message, but you're not listening intently for his voice to speak to you. And I was like, man, when I heard him, I'm like, yeah, I've been there before. And maybe as you hear that tonight, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm there. Maybe like you just all of a sudden you paid attention. You're like, no, this is not going to be me. I'm going to listen. But you know, a minute ago you were thinking about McDonald's or something else. It's that, that dialing, God, I want to hear your voice. God, I'm listening because I, I want to know what you have to say. You know, as you sit there in a spot where you're hearing the word, but not, not embracing what's being spoken or asking God to just reveal himself to you through it. That's how a heart grows cold. That's how a love grows cold. And then that, that action of love, it, it, you see it dwindle. And so... He finishes this part by saying, you know, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Did you see that the numbers there? Many are going to fall away. Many are going to grow cold. Many are going to go their own way. But one, but the one, (laughs) the one who endures to the end will be saved. And you got to ask yourself, which category would you want to be in? Do I want to be in the one category or do I want to be in the many category? Because that's true, the honest truth, we have that choice. Which category will I be in? And part of tonight is that to stir that up in us to remain in that one category if we find ourselves drifting into the many. You know, Jesus goes on to describe his return to them. <laughs> he, he, th- this was like one of those questions. They probably had no idea the amount of the answer that was coming out. The Matthew 24 verse 30, he says, Then at last, he says, The sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. There will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. We'll find out why in a minute. They'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Verse 31, he'll send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. They'll gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and from heaven. You know, this is the certainty in uncertain times. This will happen. And to be a Jesus follower, there is nothing, nothing greater than that anticipation of seeing our Savior face to face. But the world's going to mourn when they, when they see him because they weren't expecting that. They weren't expecting that song we just sang. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. 
It doesn't matter how much power they think they have when they run in face to face with the ultimate power. They'll find themselves so lacking, so empty, so deceived. You know, and Jesus is saying to them, this, this is coming. Fellas, this is coming. And in the meantime, here's how I want you to live. And he gives them three quick things. Let me share them with you. Number one, keep watch. Keep watch. Matthew 24, verse 42. He says, so you too must keep watch. Pay attention. Wake up and have your eyes on this. He says, you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he'd keep watch. And he wouldn't permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. He's that, 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 that encouragement to them. You know, pay attention to what's going on. I just gave you signs of the times. Listen to what I've told you. Otherwise, you're going to feel like you, you know, you're going to be like that person who gets robbed. Have you ever been robbed? I got robbed just a couple weeks ago. And it's sucky. I, you know, Beth and I, and uh, we took the kids out for dinner. We were just gone for a couple hours. We drove home and as we're um, driving up the driveway, we realized we weren't the only ones who went out for dinner. There halfway in the driveway was half a chicken. And like one of my like chickens that were like, these are, he's like part of our family. And as I drive up a little further, we're like, you know, we realize, ah, you know, Fox must have got, got one of our chickens. Because, you know, over the summer, you know, every once in a while, one gets picked off. But then, then all of a sudden we see another, like, pile of feathers and nothing there. And then another one and another one and another one. And as my kids and I are walking around our bloody yard, finding dead carcasses all over the place, we finally killed 15 um, chickens and our rooster all in one shot. And I was like, he thought he went to the Vanderin Mandarin for, you know, the unlimited buffet of chicken. And I'm like, that's it. Next time those chickens are out, I'm keeping watch with a scope. Because, you know, there's, a, there's, there's something, that, that sinking feeling of being robbed. And, and, and this is what Jesus explained to them. He's like, that's what it's going to, that's what it feels like. It's like, it, if you knew when the, when the thief was coming, you would be ready. And so he says, just be ready. All, all the time. And that's the question. Are we watching, keeping watch on what's going on? Are we seeing what's happening in our world? In uh, Rod Dreyer's book called Live Not By Lies, he speaks of Kolakovich, who was a, you know, a Catholic um, uh, pastor who was <laughs> traveling you know, um, in Europe and, and starting all of these groups. And he just simply started these groups with three words. He just said, see, judge, and act. See what's going on around you. Discern what that is and then act accordingly. As followers of Jesus, you know, I think that's something that, that Jesus simply was telling his disciples that day. Look around, be aware, keep watch. Second, he says, live ready. You know, we saw that at the end of that last verse, uh, I believe 44, you must be ready all the time. Because he told them in verse 36 to 38 of that same chapter that it's going to be like Noah's day. You know, no one knows exactly when it's going to happen. There's signs, but you don't know exactly when that moment will be. And he says in that day, they were, they were just living their lives like normal. They were like going to weddings, going to parties, doing everything as if normal, normal, normal. And then here comes a flood. They, they, they weren't aware. They should have been. They're like, ah, oh, we see the, you know, the ark's done and the door's closed. You know, it's starting to rain. We should have been. But they, they weren't. I, don't, I mean, maybe you've experienced it too. You ever been to the water parks that have that massive bucket of water and it's like pouring little bits in and then it's going to dump and you're like, you, you, it takes a long time for it to fill up, you know, like 15 minutes or something. So you, so you don't, you don't want to wait there the whole time and you go off in, into the park. But then all of a sudden, what do you hear that? Ding, ding, ding. You know, it's coming soon. 
And, and you make your way over there. And that's, that's the same idea that Jesus is saying, hey, these signs and things, that, that means that there's, it's coming soon. I was with my kids mini golfing this uh, last weekend. We took them to uh, Niagara Falls and they got that dinosaur golf there with this big volcano that shoots fire and it's like hot. They, they want a video of it. I was like, okay, I'll try and video it. And I'm like, man, every time I've got my camera on, it's like three, four minutes of just no eruption. And it's like, oh, it's just a waste of space. And I'll turn it off and then there it goes. I'm like, how do I keep missing it? And then my kids are like, dad, you got to watch. You got to watch. And when you see the steam starting to get uh, like really thick, you'll see underneath this little orange thing blinking. He says, that's when it's going to happen. And I was like, yeah, right, whatever. And they're like, see it? Blink, blink. And I'm like, my kids, man, they, they knew the signs of the times. That's that same thought that Jesus is saying. This idea of keep watch so you can see and live ready because you don't know that exact moment. And he told them a bunch of stories about people who lived ready. You know, it talks about a master who had three servants and he says, I gave him gave one ten, uh, 10 talents. I gave one five. I gave another one one. I said, go and do my business. And, and then uh, the, Jesus, his, his um, lesson in the story is that when the master comes back, he's like the ones who use the master's resources or the master's talents or the master's gifts for the master's purposes, they were the ones rewarded. The ones who ignored it or didn't use it for his purposes, they were the ones condemned. And so he says to them, I want you to live ready. Uh, use, the, use God's gifts that he's given you for God's purposes. Man, that, that's to every one of us. You're all gifted. You all have different gifts, all different talents. Are we using them for his purposes? Are we using them for God's purposes? He's like, live, live ready. So number one, keep watch. Number two, live ready. And then number three, be future focused. Be future focused. You know, so, some, uh, some live their whole lives future focused. They, they do. They've, they've, they've got their retirement plan. They've got the savings all uh, there. They're planning their next vacation. They've got everything's always, you know, in the future and, and they plan for it. And it's, it's good. But, but God's word to you would be, that's not the future I meant. I didn't mean plan for your retirement. I actually mean use your retirement to plan for what's after it. Are you planning for what comes after it? What's much, much further, you know, maybe not that much further down the road, but it's a lot longer road than your retirement. He said, uh, plan, be future focused. You know, there's, and then there's all kinds of people who have no plan for the future. It's like, you know, you only live once, yellow, right? Just live for today. And living like there's no, living like there's actually no consequence for the decisions you make today. Not taking into consideration at all what this, what the things, the decisions we make today may matter down the road, just living like, you know, there's no tomorrow. Psalm 90 verse 12 just simply says this. It's, this, uh, the, the, it's part of a song, but he says, teach us to number our days that it may cause a heart of wisdom. Teach us, God, to number our days, to realize we've only got so many. To recognize that, that we might live a, a life of wisdom, that we would live wisely. See, Jesus tells in the same portion of scripture in, in Matthew, he tells a story of 10 young women, 10 bridesmaids who are waiting for the groom to come and he's, it's taken a long time. So they're sitting there and, and waiting all night. And he, he tells that there was five who had extra oil available. 
They had planned ahead that when it was time for uh, him to arrive, they just added the oil to their lamps and they were good to go. And he said, but then there was five foolish ones. They didn't have any. And they began asking the others, hey, hey, help us out. Give us, give us a hand here. And, he, and they're like, sir, we only have enough for us. We planned ahead. How come you didn't plan ahead? And I'm like, go and buy some. And so the five run off to go and buy oil for their lamps. And by the time they get back, the, they miss the whole party. And so they go down the street, like, where did, where did he go? Where'd they go? And they get to the door and they knock on the door and like, let us in. And he's like, sorry, you're too late. You're too late. You didn't, you didn't plan ahead. And as a result, it costs you. And I mean, it's just, a, it's just a fictitious story that Jesus is telling, but he's telling it to illustrate a point. In verse 25, verse 13, or chapter 25, verse 13, he makes the point. He says, so you too, he says, you must keep watch. Because you don't know the day or the hour of my return. And so in closing, I just want to leave you maybe in closing with, by saying it this way. I don't want to say that the Lord told me what I'm about to say. I'm not going to do that. But what I can say is that for the last little while, I cannot shake these thoughts. And I pray that if Holy Spirit speaks to you through them, that you would be courageous and act upon them. And if it doesn't, then we'll just assume that it was words of my own and I pray they just fall to the ground and cause no issues. But it, I was reminded throughout scripture of this thought of planning ahead. In the story of Joseph, he knew that during the time of plenty, they needed to store up food because he knew that a time of famine was coming. He could see it coming. God had revealed it to him in a, in a dream and he knew. In Proverbs 6, we see something that's not even a person, but an ant that stores up in the summer, knowing that in the winter, he's going to need to have that food storage. And it's just knowing that there's a cycle to life and being ready for that cycle. In the story of Noah, we see him building an ark, which to everyone else seemed like the most ludicrous thing to do. Like this guy's building a boat in the middle of a desert. Like he's lost his mind, but we know that his decision actually led to his salvation, that he prepared knowing there's judgment coming. I don't know when, but I'm going to be ready. I'm going to obey what God's put in my heart to do. And my heart is in that same place. I believe that as a church, we need to be prepared while we have the chance, while we have the opportunity to prepare for uncertain times ahead. Because we don't know. We don't know what the future holds. I love that quote. Uh, I think it's a guy named Abernathy. He just, he, he said, I don't know what the future holds but I know the one who holds my future. I'm convinced that whatever the future holds, God, God's in it. He's already there. I'm, I'm not worried about that. But in our hearts as a church, our hope right now is that people would gather around small group gatherings. And maybe you're doing that tonight. Maybe that's how you're watching this. But if you're watching this alone, my, my, my heart would be that you, if, if it's safe to do so in your situation, that you would gather around with other believers and you begin to build a community now so that you have it then. That not only that, but that you would gather in small groups now because actually as people have been gathering in small groups uh, over the past, you know, six, eight months, you know what we found? That their spiritual growth has been lights out further ahead than any other time in their, in their spiritual journey. They have said it themselves, how much they've grown as a result. And so we want to try and create opportunities for you to be connected in groups. But please, don't wait for us. Take that step. Initiate that step to say, I want to be in a small group now. I want to gather in a group now. Why? So I can keep watch. So I've got others who are going to help me live ready and that they'll also together we'd be future focused knowing that it doesn't matter what uncertain times are around us we prepared in the time of prosperity for the time of famine and then finally why do I think this because I see that is how God operates 
God, the creator of this whole universe, the creator of humanity, realize that 6,000 years later, there's going to be a group of people, some in a building, some watching online, who would need a savior. Peter tells us that it was actually his plan before the foundations of the earth that Christ would be crucified to rescue us, to rescue us. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> the truth is that, that my sin and my guilt and my shame has been washed away and yours can be as well. It's because he took it for us on a cross. You know, that, that idea that you can be saved. And many people are like, what do you mean by saved? Saved from what? We all know that a good judge punishes evil people. An evil judge is the one who lets them go. We know that a good judge punishes evil. And if we're honest and we look in our own lives, we, we know that there's evil in us. It's not just mistakes. It's like we're bent and we're, we're predetermined to, to, to do the wrong thing, even when we know it's wrong. We, we, we know it's wrong and we'll do it anyway, especially if we don't think we'll get caught. We know that's in us. You know, our society wants to say, oh, man is just ultimately good. It's not true. Man is ultimately evil on the inside, and it's just the fact of us maybe getting caught that keeps us in line. But God's like, I want to change that heart. Not only do I want to forgive everything that you've done wrong, I want to give you a new heart, a new life, a second chance. God in his justness, though, has to punish that sin somehow. And he says, I'll come up with another plan. If you're willing, I'm willing. I'm willing to give my son. I'm willing to lay my life down. I'm willing to take sin on my account and I will pay the whole thing. On your side, if you're willing to receive forgiveness and if you're willing to, to um, in, in turn, follow me, well, then we have a deal. Then we have a deal. He saves us. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. His great love. His great love. You know, it's, when you think about that, it's pretty good news. Truly good news. Now, last thought is the last part of that conversation Jesus had, Matthew 24, 14. Before he gave all the details, he said, you know, a bunch of these things are going to happen in the world. A bunch of these things are going to happen in the church. And he says this, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that nations, all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. You know, our world desperately needs to hear the good news. Are we taking it? Are we taking it? We're the ones to share it. You are the ones to share it. You know, who knows? Who knows if you have, have been called to his kingdom for such a time as this, that wherever you find yourself, you're there on purpose. You're there to reach those around you with the good news. And it may cost you your kingdom. Esther, as she stood up to, to take that stand, it was, she knew that her kingdom and everything she was working for and, and had in her life was like, I'm putting that all on the line. But his kingdom before mine. It may cost you some comfort. It may cost you convenience. But I guess this is the question. Esther's whole nation was saved as a result. The whole people group were saved as a result of her one decision to stand. To face fear. To stand courageously for truth. To stand for God's people. I just wonder how many people in eternity will be thanking you that they are in eternity with Christ because of the stand that you took. That you said, yeah, God, I believe you've called me on purpose to be a part of your kingdom for this day and age. God, lead me, guide me. I'll be obedient. I'm following you. Give me the courage I need to be obedient in this time. Man, because I'm praying that we've got tons of people who recognize that they were called to his kingdom for such a time as this. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I just ask that your word would stir and just, oh man, breathe life into hearts today. For those who have been drifting from you, may they just be inspired again to draw near to you. Lord, we just 
in awe of who you are and your continuing work in our lives. That your kingdom has come on this planet and your will is being done. Lord, we pray for more of that to happen and we pray that, God, you would lead us in that. Thank you for your courage, Father. Thank you for truth. (laughs) Thank you for the chance we have to be armored up and to simply walk this life trusting you completely, completely. Things try and draw us away, Lord, remind us. May we, uh, maybe we be aware of the battle going on and may we fight courageously with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the promise, promise of our eternity with you that you've already won. You've already won in the end, we know it. God, may we remain strong and faithful till that end. I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for... Uh, Thank you for listening. If you're still listening this long, thank you. And, and my hope today would be that you'd allow the Holy Spirit to dig in a little deeper. That, you know, you wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, I heard and I left. But you have a chance to chat with somebody, whether it's in the group you're with right now or that you actually get on the phone and intentionally call somebody and say, hey, hey can, we, can we go over the questions? I'd love to hear your take on this. Here's the things, here's the questions to get you started. You feel free to add your own. But what jumped out at you from today's talk? What was it that you're like, huh, man, I needed to hear that. Second thing, you know, do you look forward to eternity? Somebody made this statement to, to, to me the, the, a week ago, like, everybody wants to go he- to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. I think it's from a song. But do you look forward to eternity? You have any, you know, our young men's group was saying, too, we're talking about all the topics we want to cover. And one guy's like, we should talk about eternity. We, we don't talk about that enough. Do you look forward to it? Why or why not? Third, do you feel like you're alive right now for his purposes? Do you feel like, yeah... <laughs> I know he's got a purpose for my life and I know that purpose. Or maybe you're in that spot where like, yeah, I know, I believe he's got a purpose for my life, but I don't know it right now. My encouragement would, to you would be just, God, show me. God, reveal to me. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to just step out and follow you. You just direct me as we're going. And then finally, which of the keep watch, the live ready or the future focus do you have the most difficulty with right now? Which of those is the one that's like, it's, my, it's kind of my challenge. It's what I need to really think about or that I've, he's calling me to. I mean, he's obviously calling us to all three, but sometimes we need to start in one spot and carry on. So thank you uh, again. Just believe for great things for you guys. I believe for great things for the church and uh, this part of it that meets here in this place and and all around this community. Uh, Man, believing for uh, his light in the world to shine through you. Love you guys and we'll see you again soon.